And so he said, you know, I have a really good idea. I think we should both join Match.com and see who can get the most dates. The next morning, before even logging in, when we had our wits about us, I said, so what exactly does the winner get? And he goes, they get the most dates. That's Tanya Roy. And sometimes you've got to embarrass yourself to find the love of your life. From NCPR and the Adirondack Center for Writing, this is The Howl. True stories, no notes, live on stage in the North Country. I'm Ethan Shanty. I'm not that old, but I've basically missed out on the entire online dating craze. I've been with the same person for a decade now, and before that, I never went online to try and find a date. I mean, I'm not bragging, I think I just got really lucky. And truthfully, I feel like I dodged a bullet. Because I wouldn't even know where to begin, and the idea of online dating freaks me out a little bit. Like, what picture do I post? How can I be clever and say that I'm a little goofy, but I also love poetry? Do I just write, I'm a Pisces, and let them figure it out from there? And then what happens if I actually do go on a date? Where do we go? What should I say? Do I smell bad? How do I bounce back if my jokes don't land? Listen, I've attended more than one wedding that started on Tinder or Match or Plenty of Fish, but as for me, I am glad I missed out. On today's episode of The Howl, we're joining Match.com on a dare and falling in love with someone that you've never even been on a date with. Tanya Roy told us this story live on stage at the Howell Grand Slam in Saranac Lake in 2023. I joined the dating company Match.com on a dare. So that's not the last time you're going to hear in this story that I am absolutely the worst person to be in charge of my own life. I am 100% my own worst enemy. Uh, I met my best friend at a time in our lives when we were both divorced. We were both single parents. We were both just trying to keep our heads above water. And we both were 100% absolutely unadulteratedly done with dating. And so we were just looking for someone to do fun stuff with, right? Someone to rent a convertible and drink at all the breweries in Vermont. Someone to bake bread with and to get drunk in the middle of the living room floor on a Wednesday night with. It also helped in this arrangement that we had of friendship that he is absolutely not my type, sorry, and I am absolutely not his type, so it's okay. My best friend, has long dark hair, he is an opera singer, he plays guest on on stage, and he sings Mac the Knife at open mic nights. <laughs> Chances are, if I am looking to date someone, you are going to find me trying desperately to not look like a duck while I climb up the passenger side of a truck being driven by a lumberjack. <laughs> if it doesn't have a handle, I'm not getting in and I need a boost. So the arrangement worked really well, and on New Year's Eve, several years ago, we had baked bread and eaten it warm with our hands, and we had gotten drunk on not just good wine, but really good wine in the middle of the living room floor. And because we didn't want to see people, we had been watching what we always watch, reruns of really bad 80s TV shows, and saying them word for word. And so he said, you know, I have a really good idea, which is how all awful ideas start. And he said, I think we should both 
joinmatch.com and see who can get the most dates. And I was like, I am in because I am down for any competition where I'm 100% certain I can win. <laughs> so by midnight on New Year's Eve, we had no idea what time it was, but we both had paid match.com accounts. The next morning, before even logging in, when we had our wits about us, I said, so what exactly does the winner get? And he looked at me like I was stupid, and he goes, they get the most dates. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I am down with that. So the next several months were a flurry of some really fun activity because I ended up dating um, a lumberjack. I ended up dating a smoke jumper. And I ended up dating a student from Wanakina that had a mohawk and a tattoo of the Phoenix Rising on both sides of his head. <laughs> and the best part truly about all of this was that after the dates, we would get together and we would tell each other about them. So the very last person that I dated off of Match uh, was a match that I made with a soldier, and we'll just call him Adam. And so I would go on dates with Adam, and I would go back, and I would tell my best friend about them. And then I realized as time went by that I wasn't so much looking forward to going on the dates as I was looking forward to going back and telling my best friend about them. So if you have figured out where this story is going, don't tell me because I'm really excited to see how it ends. <laughs> and I wasn't sure what to do, but I did what any woman who was raised on rom-coms of the 80s knows what to do. I decided I was going to get absolutely schnockered and tell him exactly how I feel at a really important part in our lives. So we had this tradition of going to something called fire and ice. And if you don't know what that is, in the middle of February when it is absolutely as cold as you can, it can be, you dress up like an Eskimo and attempt to be cute while you stand around outdoor bonfires and they have taken thousands of pounds of ice and turned them into ice sculptures. Some of these ice sculptures, they turn into bars. And they drill a hole through the ice and they put like a sluice pipe through it. And so you order a drink and they give you a martini glass and you hold it at the end of the sluice pipe and they pour alcohol through the top part and then it kind of sort of freezes on its way down and you catch it in the martini glass and it is both fun and refreshing. <laughs> and so you spend all this time outside and the alcohol's keeping you warm and the night ends and we decide we should probably have a couple of drinks inside before we head home just to make sure all of us is warm. So we go inside and we sit at the bar and I feel my body start to melt and I'm like, okay, I haven't had the courage yet, but I feel like it's coming. And then I realize like my brain's getting a little warm too and it's fuzzy, I can't quite see straight uh, because what was happening was as my blood was circulating faster because I was inside where it was warm, I was getting drunker and drunker and drunker from the alcohol that was already in my system. And so instead of waiting for the just right moment, I just blurted out, I think I'm in love with you a little. That's a complete lie. What I actually said was, so someday Adam is going to get transferred from Fort Drum and he's going to ask me to marry him because he's going to want me to go with him and I'm going to have to tell him no because I'm in love with someone else and that someone else is you. 
and I don't remember much from the rest of that night. <laughs> but I do know that the bar got completely silent. And I, I noticed a movement over my shoulder, and there was the gentleman kind of sitting behind me was making these facial expressions and these hand gestures that I think meant run, run while you can. <laughs> but when I looked at my best friend, his face had gone from confusion to horror. And I was like, well, shit. I really just screwed this up. Thanks, rom-com, we're at act three now. And so after everybody gathered their wits about them, he said, I think it's probably time that we leave now. And he got off his stool and he headed toward the lobby of the hotel. And I was kind of, you know, dressed like an Eskimo. So I shimmied my way off my stool as best I could. And I started to follow him. And I wasn't really watching where I was going because he was walking toward the exit door without me. And in the particular, this particular hotel lobby, they have these stands at the ends of these couches. And they look like two cones put together with the pointy part in the middle. So the ends are like round and flat. And, and I was watching him go. And I was starting to tear up. And I was really drunk. And I tripped. <laughs> but I am my own worst enemy. So I didn't trip over it the short way. Oh, no. I tripped over it and landed like this. And so I, I tried to turn this way, and I tried to turn this way, and I was stuck, <laughs> really stuck. And so I watched him, at, and he got really close to the door, and I thought, shit, this is it. Like, I was unprepared for this to go badly, and there goes what I thought I wanted for the rest of my life. This is how I die. <laughs> and he turned around, and he looked at me, and he smiled, and he came back and he got me. And he is the hero in this story, not because he came and got me that night, but because he has been coming back to get everyone in our very large extended family every time we get stuck ever since. Thank you. That's it for this week. Thanks to Tanya for the story, and thanks to you for joining us. Good luck with swiping left or right, and if you're looking for dating advice, don't come to me. I've been out of the game for a while now. The Howl is written, produced, and edited by me, Ethan Shanty, with editorial supervision by David Summerstein, with live audio captured by Doyle Dean. Bill Hanel is our digital guy, Caitlin Kelly handles our social media, and music on this episode was by famous letter writer of Plattsburgh. The Howl is a co-production of NCPR and the Adirondack Center for Writing in Saranac Lake. You can find more episodes and support the program, plus find out when we're going to be telling stories in your town by visiting ncpr.org slash howl. This is NCPR North Country Public Radio.